The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. This past week, I was a media press person at a gathering of radio, TV, and print media in New York City, part of a literary summit group that helps new authors present their stories and their books to the world. Two things impressed me the most about this group of some 100 authors, their enthusiasm in writing about their discoveries and their enthusiasm for sharing it. It reminded me again how important it is for those who've had an NDE or other spiritually transformative experience to write it down, including what it has meant to you and your life since. And one of the best places to start is to write an account of your experience and send it to IONS. We are given these experiences for two reasons, to grow from what we've learned and to share it with others. As an example of what I mean, let me read some of the reports written by experiencers and submitted to IONS for recording and study. This first report was sent to IONS members ju- uh, just this month, um, October 2018. It's a harrowing account of the life of a young woman who has a happy ending after she dies at the age of 30. In her NDE, she never makes it into the light but stays in the blackness and finds it warm and reassuring. She learns many of the things other NDEers say. We are all one. We are all God. She even felt she was home and that the blackness was the real world, more real than Earth. This experience turned her world around, and she even chose to return to Earth, and she never felt depressed again. One interesting part of this account is that she says she spent two whole days being half in the blackness and half in her body. Others have spoken of going out of their body while their body continues to function and even drive a car. Their awareness is definitely split. So is this evidence that our souls can split? Some say our higher self is the part of our soul that stays in the light and retains all knowledge while only part of our soul enters our body on earth, but that it can always connect to our higher knowing. This is the writer's story, the experiencer's story. She writes, My story begins with a horrific childhood, which can only be described as a series of unfortunate events. I was born in September, but was very ill and stayed in the hospital until December. I came home for my first Christmas. I may have had a viral infection. My sister says I was having digestive issues. This was in the 1950s, so babies were isolated in cribs and allowed to cry. I suspect that while my mother visited me often during that time, she had two other young children to care for at home, so I probably was not held much during those first few months. My mother had multiple sclerosis and became quite ill by the time I was about four. Family friends have told me their memories of that time, saying that I was often left with dirty diapers and screaming for attention. I was shy, hid from everyone quite a lot, or clutched onto my mother's skirt in desperation. I do not fault her at all. This was a time when there was no daycare for kids. She was ill and struggled caring for her three children. She had to be placed in a nursing home, and I was not allowed into the nursing home to see her. My father would leave us kids in the car while he would go and visit my mother. This went on for a couple of years. My mother passed away when I was about six, so I have only shadow memories of her. 
My father brought in a housekeeper to feed us kids. She, she wasn't a mom substitute, but she at least made sure we were fed and clothed. My grandfather lived in an apartment attached to the house. He was the only grandparent who was still alive when I was born. He and I were very close. I was extremely bonded to my grandfather, much more than I was to my father. My father worked long hours as an architect in Chicago. I have few memories of him, mostly greeting him at the door when he came home from work, and by then it was bedtime for me. My father dated a woman who lived in our neighborhood, and after a year or so, they were married. Unfortunately, on their way back from their honeymoon, my father became ill, went to the hospital, and was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He died soon after. I had just turned 10. So there I was with a new stepmother who didn't know and who, quite frankly, hated me from the first moment of our new lives together. Shortly after this life-changing event, my grandfather fell down, hit his head, and died from an aneurysm. I was the one who found him. After a couple of years of living in hell with my stepmother and stepbrother, both of whom used me as a punching bag physically and emotionally, my stepmother decided one day that she didn't need me around anymore, and she gave me one bag to pack, took me to the train station in downtown Chicago, bought me a one-way ticket to Minneapolis, handed me the ticket, and walked away. I was 12, going on 13. My brother and sister were allowed to remain in the house in Chicago. She called my aunt in Minneapolis and told her to pick me up at the train station. My aunt and uncle had not agreed to take me in. I spent high school with my aunt and uncle, and while I was given food and shelter, it was quite clear I wasn't welcome. My uncle molested me, and my aunt was less than diligent in protecting me from him. At 17, I was declared legally independent. From that point on, I was completely on my own. My stepmother inherited all of my father's things. My aunt inherited all of my grandfather's things. So I started with nothing, no family, no material possessions, nothing. In college, I was drugged and raped by the head of my dorm during freshman year. But still, I endured. I am explaining this as a background to my extreme and quite understandable depression. I suffered from PTSD, and from the age of 13 to age 30, I was wishing, hoping to die. I suffered from ongoing migraines that varied from stomach-churning painful to flat-out neurologically debilitating episodes. I managed to get through college and two postgraduate programs, but I was miserable every minute of every day. I had endless fantasies of being hit by a car and so forth. I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to live. One day at age 30, I heard a voice in my head, it's time to die. So I mentally prepared myself to die. I was ready. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I was going to die. I was drawing artwork of my emotions. I was reading spiritually inspiring work, Joseph Campbell and others, and I was spending quiet time reflecting, meditating on my situation. As I quietly sat, pondering the depth of the black hole in the pit of my stomach, feeling profoundly profound separateness from anyone and everything else, and really focusing on how trapped I felt in that bottomless pit, I suddenly died. I let my soul go. I released my soul in an explosion of emotion. I traveled outward, out of my body, out into space, out to the deepest, darkest part of space. 
I could see pinpoints of light, stars in the distance, but I was in a safe, warm embrace filled with complete knowledge, total joy, ecstasy, and I was at one with everything. I was consciousness itself, back to my home. My soul and everyone's soul was one. We are God, all of us, all-knowing, all-seeing. I had gone from pr- profound separateness to profound inclusiveness in an instant. I suddenly understood that old saying that life is but a dream. The deep space blackness was the real world. This human world is just a dreamlike state of being. Yes, we are all dreamers in the same dream. I spent two days in that state of floating in space. I was also here on planet Earth, functioning as a human does. I remember grocery shopping, but still being out there in space. I remember drawing my artwork and listening to Peter Gabriel's album, Us, while still being out there floating in space. I remember driving, but I was still floating in space. I called in sick for work as I could focus on what was happening to me. I was two souls, but only one was in a real world. After two days, I felt the need to decide whether I should stay on the other side or return to my life in this human dream world. From the time I was young, I felt that my purpose in this earthly realm was to inspire, help others achieve their own dreams. Somebody that I inspire was supposed to do something very important to the betterment of all souls, perhaps a work of art or or scientific discovery. I also felt that the reason my life story had no family bonding love was so I wasn't contaminated with preconceived ideas about what normal should look like. My path was meant to allow me to have a very different viewpoint from other people. In this way, I could bond with consciousness, all souls. Well, we are all consciousness, rather than individual humans. So I decided to come back into my body so I could continue my work. My two souls were reunited, and I have never had a moment of true true depression since that time. My migraines went away for the most part, and the people around me were stunned at the change they saw in me. I think they could feel my appreciation and gratitude for everything around me. Well, maybe they saw a person who didn't suffer from migraines anymore. I only told a couple of people about my experience, my then fiancé and my therapist. I've told very few people my story, only those who I think have an open mind. Although I'm a scientist, I leave an open mind about the true nature of soul consciousness. There is no scientific explanation. It's a profound knowingness that cannot be expressed in words. Of course, the scientist in me knows that my brain must have released a megadose of serotonin during my awakening, but does that mean my soul didn't leave my body? Or was that release of serotonin a kick from my soul as it left my body? Is the physical just a manifestation of the soul's desire? There are so many questions. But one thing's for certain, God, consciousness, has an insatiable appetite for adventure. I am just one tiny fragment of that adventure, but it's an adventure worth carrying out until its natural completion. And that ends that report. This one comes from uh, the March 2018 monthly report that's sent out to uh, IONS members. 
In this account of a near-death-like experience, a young woman describes what happened to her one night when she was deeply mourning a lost love. For about 15 minutes of heightened awareness, she found herself in a bright light, surrounded by millions of souls who were holding her. She was shown who she truly is and that she is greatly loved. The souls answered her questions and predicted the future correctly. She was shown her life and told she must forgive herself. She feels she has changed and recounts several amazing things that happened shortly after this experience. And here's the account from the experiencer. It was around 10.30 at night. I let my dogs out to go potty, and I was out in the backyard with a flashlight. They started barking at a raccoon, so I made them go back inside. I went back out to pick up their mess, and I was crying. I had a severely broken heart. My mother was kind of mean to me my whole life, and the husband that I was so in love with had left me. I thought he was the only one that had ever loved me. I was trying to cry quietly, and I had been somewhat uh, atheist for the past 25 years, but I was reaching out to God, asking him why, and saying, I forgive Jay, so why do I hurt so badly? And I said, no one is ever going to love me again. And I was crying so hard, I felt this horrible pain in my chest, and I was having a hard time breathing. I asked God if this was how the phrase broken heart came to be. I wanted to die. I was torn because my two dogs would be left without someone to love them. I dropped to my knees from the pain. Then all of a sudden, this remarkably bright light surrounded me. It didn't hurt my eyes, and millions of souls were holding me. And I recognized them all, and I felt so loved. They told me I would see Jay again someday. I stood up at some point. I was looking straight ahead, and my entire life and experiences were all there. In a still picture, no such thing as time. But I could see it all. I could see when I made someone feel good, and I could feel the love and joy they felt. And when I was mean, I could see and feel their pain. I, and I said to them telepathically, so, so there is judgment, but we judge ourselves. And they all said, yes, not in English, but in my head all at once. I felt proud of when I was good and very ashamed of when I wasn't. They said I needed to forgive myself. They, and I got the impression they were God, had forgiven me immediately. And I, and I said, I couldn't but I needed to go back and fix things and, and be nice. I couldn't believe some of my pettiness. I understood that I was one of them, that I was part of them, and also I was individual. So I was both joined and individual at the same time. I also knew that we were all connected. I would ask a question and they answered it faster than I could think of it. When I was reviewing my life, I cried when I hurt someone or something. And then I actually turned away from my life picture and realized that Jay was going to hurt when he died because of how badly he had hurt me. So I begged them not to let him hurt. I told them I wasn't hurt anymore and I forgave him and please don't let him hurt. They told me that they loved him too and that they would be holding him like they were me, that he would feel the unconditional, complete love just as I did, and that he would have to go through it but they would be with him, and he would be okay. I pleaded with them, and they said he must see his life so that he can grow. 
I remember saying to them when they first told me, oh, this is what I am. I am one of you. I am pure. I am light. I am 100% love. And they said, yes. I knew I was one. I felt home. It was bliss. I understood every religion all at once. I felt my dead dog's individual presence behind me. He had passed about five months prior. I was so torn all those months. They said, you can turn around and see him. And I said, no, I can't. I'm not worthy of looking into the light. I have to go back and be better. And they said, yes, you may. You must forgive yourself. You must and you will. And I said, I can't. And they said, you will. I could think of any question and knew the answer immediately. I asked if suicide didn't send you to hell, and I instantly knew that you ended up with them the same way. The difference is the pain you feel when reviewing your life. If your loved ones suffered for the remainder of their life on earth, you would have a harder time forgiving yourself. I felt bad for not being super sweet to a dog we had, and I was never really mean to him. I just wasn't loving to him. We had given him away. I felt finally okay about every animal that had ever died now because I, I knew they were fine. I also knew we were all connected, including animals and plants, the universe. They forgive everyone immediately. We are the ones that punish ourselves. They hurt for us. I asked about murderers and knew they were also made out of love and had a horrible time forgiving themselves. I felt so sorry for them. They felt so much emotional pain. The light people, they were millions of these souls or light people, millions, like enough to fill the universe. Everything alive has a soul. I knew I had, I just borrowed this body. I know this life is a gift for me to experience things. I know now that my job is to be kind and to lead by example, not ever to judge, never judge, but I still do. So much happened in about 15 minutes. There was a lot more. Maybe I can fill it in as I recall more things. Anyhow, all of a sudden, I was standing on my lawn in the back in, in this three-dimensional world, and I was laughing. This place looked so fake now. I know I am trapped in this gift of a body. I am homesick, and I talk to them. And they have answered me once in my head. Mostly, they just make sure I'm okay. I immediately started looking this up in my computer, and I knew I was blessed. The rest of the week was crazy. I could hear birds doing the weirdest sounds. I heard a banana make a sound of escaping gas when I opened it. I got a check in the mail for $289 from the gas and electric company. I went to Smart and Final for this roasted chicken, and I was prepared to be disappointed because they were usually sold out at this time. And this man across the store held up a chicken at me, and I shook my head. He yelled, lady, stay there. And he brought it, and then he said, Lady, I don't know you, and I am not religious, but God told me to bring you this chicken. And he left. And I hate casinos, but I went with my boss later that week, and she was playing slots, and I was bored. I would look at the machines, and one, one winked at me. I told her to play it because it winked, and she said no. Then she lost a lot of money, so we went to a different area, again was bored, and then a machine winked at me. I told her to play it, and she said, no, machines don't wink. She lost more money, and we left. The next day, she wanted to go back, and I said, no. I said I would watch the store. 
She owned a dealership. She usually takes about five hours, but this time she was back in about 90 minutes. She came in the door and she said, you won't believe it. A machine winked at me and I played it and I won $21,000 and I cashed out and left. I smiled and said, that's the only time it will ever wink. I knew God gave her back her money. Then Jay called me. I was shocked because he was never going to speak to me. He said he had a heart attack and it was around 10.30 at night on the same Sunday night that I had my NDE. He had been in the hospital all week. My life, well, actually, I have been different ever since. I'm, I'm weird now. I read all the time. Science, history, nature, anything. As long as it's factual, everything is completely different now. And I have a following account from the, from the July 2017 monthly report. In this account, a woman describes two low blood sugar events, both of which resulted in near-death experiences. In the first, she leaves her body and finds herself above a beautiful landscape, then heads toward a tree, but she's told she cannot go now. She experiences a struggle to get up and over the top of a mountain with her husband and two children, as well as other voices assisting her in spirit. In the second episode, which I think we'll have time for, she meets three people and feels incredible love, but is told to breathe, at which point she returns to her body. While she is out of her body, her fiancé wakes to find her body cold with labored breathing and walks her body around the room trying to wake her and get her to breathe again until finally she returns and breathes deeply. It's interesting that she can be outside her body even when it is still functioning though in an impaired way. And after these experiences, she feels certain that she is being watched over and will be found and helped whenever her blood sugar is too low again. And here's the account from the experiencer. I was on my way home from work. It was a very hot day. I had never had low blood sugar before, so this was something new for me and my family. I got off the bus and was walking up the steps to my house. I thought I never made it to the house. To this day, I thought I was outside because it was bright and warm and the sun was shining. I could hear a female voice le leaning over me and calling my name and asking me if I was all right. When I would look up, I could see a profile of a face, but the face was different colors, bright colors. Today, I just now asked my sister if I was outside, and she told me I had come inside, and my father noticed I wasn't myself and called the ambulance. All this time, I thought it was outside because it was real to me. To continue, when I woke up, I was in the intensive care emergency room. A nurse had just walked in and asked me how I was doing and if I wanted some orange juice. I told her fine, and yes, I would. I remember laying there and closing my eyes. The next thing I remember is sort of floating over this beautiful landscape of green, green grass and the most beautiful flowers I've ever seen in my life. The feeling around me was the most loving feeling, and the sun was shining so bright, but it was not hot. It was warm, just right, and I could see in the distance a tree, a large tree, and I remember I had to go toward it. As I was floating toward the tree, I could hear a voice say, You can't go now. I stopped and looked around, but I don't remember seeing anyone, but I, I felt someone. I remember saying, but not speaking, I don't want to leave. I could hear the voice in my head saying, Not now. Your children need you. Look up. 
I looked up, and I could see my two children and my husband reaching over a mountain, trying to grab my hand. It seemed like I was at the bottom of the steep cliff. The voice told me to go, but don't let the hands touch me. At that moment, I began to rise up the side of the cliff. I then noticed hands starting to reach out of the cliff. Just as I was almost at the top, I could see my family reaching for me, and all of a sudden, I felt as though I was pushed over, pushed up and over, and I woke up. At that moment, I woke up. The nurse was walking back into my room with my juice. At first, I didn't realize what had happened, and I couldn't believe what had just happened. But I know it happened. I believed what happened. I felt it. After this, I wasn't afraid of death. I didn't tell anyone what had happened to me. I was afraid no one would believe me. It wasn't until I heard a little girl on a talk show talking about her near-death experience and what she saw. I told myself if this child could see similar details to what I saw, then I was not alone. I then told my father what had happened to me that day. And he then told me my mother, who had passed when I was 12 years old, had seen green grass and flowers. And he said she had told him about the same feelings, the warmth, the brightness, the love. He said she had told him this before she died. This is not the only time I've had a near-death experience. I had another one in the year 1998. I had another hypoglycemic experience. This time I was with my fiancé fiance at his house. He told me we were sleeping. He turned over and put his arm over me and I was cold. He woke up and said I was not breathing right. He said he got me up and started walking with me and called my name. He said all of a sudden I stopped breathing and he he kept yelling for me to breathe, but I wouldn't. He said, after a while, I just all of a sudden took a deep breath and started to breathe. After that, he called the ambulance. During all of this, I remember lying on the bed, and all of a sudden, I was in this very bright place, full of warmth and love. I was not alone. I could feel someone on both sides of me, and we were we were approaching this person with two other people, on each side of them. I felt as though this person was both male and female. As I got closer, I could see white. The people on the sides were of great importance to the person in the middle, and there was love. The person in the middle had on a bright white robe, and I remember seeing gold ropes hanging from the waist of this person, but I could never see a face. As I approached and stood in front of this person, I felt incredible love i did not want to live leave did not want to leave but i could hear this person say breathe just as this was said to me i took a deep breath and woke up after this experience i've been less stressed about the future i just live one day at a time i've become more spiritual and more open with my daughters too and after this any time i've gotten sick i know that i am not alone that some kind of way, somehow, someone will know that I am sick. Sometimes my daughter will hear someone or something, someone, or be awakened by someone, or my fiancé will get the urge to call me at the moment I am sick and will be able to call my daughter or the ambulance to help me. Sometimes my oldest daughter, who doesn't live here, calls and says she had a feeling I was sick or she dreamed about my getting sick. So I know I'm never alone. I know I have angels and my mother 
watching over me. And that's the end of that account. By hearing these accounts, do you see how important it is to write down what experience you've, you've had and how in just the writing of a story like this, uh, it can be shared with thousands of people that listen to this show and uh, with, the, with the people at IONS who can compile it, to study it, to, to incorporate it with other uh, stories about near-death experience and the nature of consciousness. All of these things are such a great contribution to our understanding of the thin veil that separates us from the other side and an understanding of the, un- the other side itself and how important it is, especially in this time when so many churches are, are failing in their job to uh, inform people of, of the afterlife. So I would urge you, to write either to Ian's or you can send your story directly to me. I would be uh, honored to um, to interview you on the radio if you'd like to tell it in person. And I hope that uh, one way or another you'll remember the second part of the two reasons I mentioned at the beginning that we have an NDE, the first being for you to grow and the second being for you to share. Share the, your experience with others so that they may grow as well. Well, we're out of time for today. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the Past Shows button. And for information about IANS, just go to their website at iands.org and be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.